Welcome to the Andy Staple Show and Friends podcast feed, the flagship college football podcast at The Athletic. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sam Kahn, senior college football writer, also known as the Texpert, joined by Max Olson, national college football writer at The Athletic, also our expert on the transfer portal, realignment, stop rate, you name it, he knows it. Max, good to see you today. How are you as we head into week two? Uh, buddy, I'm like, I'm, I think on the injury report, I'm, I'm, I'm day to day. <laughs> I'm day to day. Yeah, it's been a it's been a week. Can I do a quick? Uh, I, th- I figure I should do a quick ad read here to start off. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleep. <laughs> sleep. It gives we, you everything, it. and it costs you nothing. I don't get enough of it during the week. I don't get enough of it on Saturdays. Don't be a dummy like Max. Get yourself <laughs> some sleep. I hate to hear that, man, because I slept really, really well last night. I went to bed before midnight, which is a rarity for me during the season. So wow, I respect I, uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although, it's a, although it's a grind, buddy. It's a grind. I, although I, our two-year-old was up in the middle of the night, so yeah, yeah. we've had some of that this week. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of a struggle. Uh, when when the kids don't cooperate with the sleep schedule, it gets a little challenging. Yeah, and it's just you know uh, we we're we're in that time of year when uh, time management pretty important. Pretty it important is. in our world. So we're, we're surviving, buddy. How you doing? I am great, man. I'm glad we're in week two. We got some big games this, this week. Uh, got a great show today. A lot of games to discuss. We'll hit, of course, on Alabama, Texas. Uh, the big one down in Austin. The We've got a late night top 25 battle between Baylor and BYU. We've got Cyhawk. That's coming mm-hmm. up this week. And we got a few others. And we got a special guest today. we got Houston quarterback Clayton Toon. He joins the show to talk about one of the best games of week one, that triple overtime thriller that Houston pulled out against UTSA. And, of course, the Cougars go to Lubbock for a, a big showdown, a future Big Twelve matchup with Texas Tech. So excited to have Clayton on the show. But but yeah, I'm stick ready around to for that part. He was he was awesome. Yeah, no, Clay, Clayton was terrific. So let's get into it. Let's start with Alabama Texas. Uh, this is the big one that it's been on the calendar since they put it on in 2018. I was talking to Andre Coburn the other day. He said uh, he wasn't sure he'd even be around. You know, it was announced when he was a freshman. He goes, "I thought maybe I'd be in the NFL by the time this game happened." Uh, but alas, he's here. He's excited for it. Uh, 11 a.m. Uh, Central on Fox, the big noon kickoff game. College game day will be there as well. Alabama, a 20 and a half point favorite. Max, and I, how, I will be there as well. You will be there as well. That's right. Yeah. So you tell me, how much a game do you think this is going to be? All right, let's start here. If I said, I think this will be like a 45 to 21 kind of game, does that sound too close to you does that sound about right do you think alabama uh holds texas to less do you think texas uh gives up more i think that's about right i i think that's about that's about what i would expect is is something in that department i think steve sarkeesian knows he's been in this program he knows obviously saban he knows pete golding and one thing that steve is a really good really good at is scripting He's really good at game planning. He's really good at that early script. So I would not be stunned to see Texas come out and look good at the start. Uh, Cause you know, Sark's going to have some stuff cooked up for him and for sure. And and they've got, let's not, let's be honest. Even though Texas was not a good team last year, they do have talent. That's one thing they do have. And if, if you were a head coach too, like, and you, you knew this game was on the schedule week two, 
How long do you think Sark's been planning for this game? Oh, he, he told us been on the tape. He told us. He said, "Well, it's probably longer than he told us." But he said the game sure. plan was done three months ago. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. and he said, "He said, he said we knew us against ULM, and of course Alabama against Utah State. Neither of us were probably gonna have too much change from week one that mm-hmm. we were gonna have to radically adjust game plans in week two. He goes, so we had the game plan in three months ago, and he probably was watching it even before that. I'm sure." Uh, and he knows that they're not Bama's not going to show anything against Utah State that he needs to get ready for, right? They're they're going to save it for the trip to, to Austin for sure, no doubt. And and Texas was in the privileged position to not have to show anything against Louisiana Monroe because they handled them. They they beat them by forty two, yeah. And and so they didn't have to get too exotic either. Uh, you certainly saw some fresh things. You saw Jatavian Sanders be a factor. Obviously, we saw Quinn Ewers for the first time, uh, and the defense played a lot better. Uh, than than it than it did down the stretch last year, but okay. If he said it was done three months ago, then do you think he spent four months on it, five months on it? <laughs> <laughs> just, well, just chipping away. If the, at the game project, plan was if the game plan was done every three months ago, then that means you had to have started a couple of months beforehand, right? Because right. you yeah. got to do all the film, you got to do all the tendencies, you got to get your analysts in on the research part of it, and do all that. Gary Patterson, I'm sure, chimed in with his thoughts on it. And mm-hmm. if you're Sark, that's got to be what you're doing, right? You you come to to GP and you hire GP for one. Of, this is one of the reasons you hired him for is like, okay, here's my game plan against Alabama. What are you going to do against it? And so, how do I counter that? And how do I adjust to it? Well, I I think that you you probably know that the the army of people working in the Alabama uh, facility have probably broken down every throw that Sark made at BYU during his career and every play that he called at Washington. And you know what I mean? Every single practice that he coached at Alabama, right? Like they've got, they've just got an army of people that can break down and, uh, and find some, something in, in, in all of it. They, they went back and dug up Sark's uh, six touchdown performance against Texas A&M in the kickoff classic in That's 1996. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the chess match of it's going to be awesome. Um, and, and that's where you kind of like, you, you you hope that it is like a, a three, four quarter kind of game, right? That you can kind of see some twists and turns to it. You can see, all right, here's what they're bringing. And then here's how they're going to adjust things to uh, what they're seeing. Um, Sam, you covered the Texas game last weekend against ULM. And obviously I think all eyes were on Quinn Ewers. I, I, I think that what you saw from Jatavian Sanders was pretty exciting. I think there were some, some players that definitely stood out, but Obviously, it all comes down to what's QB one doing. So, what did you what did you take away from that game, and just kind of where do you think he's at in his development now that you've seen game reps? I still am a little nervous for him because this is obviously a different beast than than ULM. But I was encouraged by a few things, and I wasn't expecting him to come out there and throw it for four hundred and five touchdowns. And I think it was a little foolhardy to expect that. Like we said last week, he hadn't thrown a a live pass. He hadn't started a game since he was South Lake Carroll as a junior. So that, that, that layoff, you knew it was going to take some time to, to adjust from that. And right away, that first drive, he threw a floater up in the up for grabs that Xavier Worthy happened to knock away and keep from being an interception. And then the second pass, he threw right into traffic into <laughs> multiple defenders and got picked it was, off. That was a, that was a busy intersection. He threw it into there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so, <laughs> but, but what impressed me about Quinn was how he responded to that. After that drive, he really calmed down and he went through his reads. He seemed to be really good in going through progressions. And the thing that I was looking for most in that game was how did he look like on critical downs, third down and fourth downs. And in the, I think it was six, third and fourth downs after that interception, he converted five of them and they were all smart, 
safe throws, uh, not really trying to do too much like he did on that interception. And of course, we didn't see the fireworks. He missed on some deep balls. But overall, I was really impressed with how much he seemed to grow in that game. And it certainly, to me, it looked like a typical freshman that has some real promise to him. Do do you think they trust him? Like, and and I don't say I'm not trying to make too much of one interception there. But do you think obviously he's the guy that got the job because they feel like he gives them more of a downfield passing game than Hudson Card can? Do you think at this point they're going to trust him to go make all the throws in this game, or do you have to kind of uh, you know do you have to kind of still put the uh, training wheels on here a little bit when you're when you're playing Alabama and you got to be careful. If you're trying to win this game, you just have to let it all hang out. And, yeah. and and Sark talked about that last week was we can't have the training wheels on him. We got to let him go. And, and we can't operate with that fear. Now, that doesn't mean you have to throw caution to the wind and have him throw 15 passes, 40 yards downfield. You you do have to be smart and you have to, to take what Alabama's defense gives you. I mean, the, the, that pass rush is going to get there. And there's no question about that because you've got two freshman offensive linemen. So you've got to get some quick stuff that he can get out of his hands quick. But you, if you're going to beat Alabama, you do have to throw the ball downfield. And you're also going to have to run the ball well, which obviously means rely on your best player, B. John Robinson. So I, I think there's a mix of it. Is No, I don't think you can go in, as Billy Napier said, scared money don't make money. You, yeah. you can't go in like that in this game if you're going to hope to win it. If you're, if you're trying to just keep it close and keep it respectable, sure, I guess you can go in with a modest game plan. But if you're trying to actually win it, you got to cut them loose and – and, but be smart about it and how you do it and take aggressive but intelligent risks. I think I'll, I'll pick a different analogy for that then. I'll, how about how about bumper bowling? Okay. I think when you're playing ULM, <laughs> it's kind of you can throw it and you can bounce it off those a little bit and, and it'll hit some pins. You're, you're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're, we're taking the bumpers off this week. Um, you can definitely throw a, a bunch of gutter balls against Alabama. Uh, and that's, that's the thing that kind of scares you a little bit is just. I, I don't know. I just don't know if he's at if he's kind of ready for this game at this stage of his career. And and I, and I don't, you know, that would be true of anybody. I think we'd probably say the same thing about Arch Manning next year if he's starting against Alabama in Tuscaloosa, obviously. But um, I, I think the thing that makes you a little nervous is just okay. How does how does he you know handle taking some hits? How does Texas offensive line handle a, an extremely good pass rush and you know, if they're getting into uh, not to discount the the impact of B. John Robinson here, and I'm curious to hear what you kind of think he can do in this game and how they'll use him. But if you're getting into the second and longs and the third and longs, and it's all on him, they're teeing off. Yep, that's that's where it's going to kill you, and that's where Bijan and Roshan Johnson are going to come in huge, or those early down short passes that you may throw to either Jatavian or whether you do some fly sweeps. That's where you're going to have to get some yardage on first down because if you're putting them at second and 10 and third and eight, boy, you're putting Quinn in a really, really bad spot. So that that's where, and and the thing is, is about Alabama, it's so hard to run against them. Traditionally, they're just a stout run defense and it's, you're, it's very rare that you teams run for more than 100, 115 yards against them. Yeah. So that that's, that's what's going to be tough. But yeah, if, if it's, and he's got to do something in the passing game, they're going to have to just find every, every little way to get him the ball. And they're going to have to do a better job getting Xavier Worley the, the ball than they were able to last week. Yeah, they tried. That was the thing is they tried, but there was some of it was just, you know, Quinn miss, misfired. Some of it was miscommunication that Sark and Quinn had mentioned. 
as Quinn said, they'll get that fixed. But yeah. this is also a game where I feel like that injury to Isaiah Nair at the start of the season really hurts yeah. him because that would be that extra deep threat you have on the yeah. outside opposite X that if they want to roll safeties over there, okay, then we can hit them downfield with Isaiah Nair. Not to say that conflict Jordan, more with him for sure. Right. Yeah. Not to say that Jordan Whittington can or or Tariq Milton or some of the other guys can't, but Nair is a different dude and he has a little bit of a different gear. And, and that's where they're going to miss him. I'll be curious to see if a Jai Hall sees some time in this game, he was suspended a little bit uh, last month after a little incident with the, uh, with the parking boot, parking boot, but uh, he was, he was suited up last week, didn't play, but suited up. And Sark said, you know, he's, he's back part of the team. So I'll be interested to see, does he get any run in this game? Does he, does he become an option for them? And then the other question obviously is, can Texas stop Alabama or or what are they going to be able to do against Bryce Young? Is Texas going to be able to get a pass rush, which they did a very poor job of in 2021 looked a little bit better at it last week, obviously against a much lesser opponent, but they're going to have to get up for Bryce Young too. Oh my gosh. I I think offensively for Alabama, um, I'm sure they've had this circled based on just watching all the 2021 tip. Those Texas linebackers have just got to be a plus on Saturday night, and and they're going to be hit with so much different stuff. And and you and and part of that is Jameer Gibbs being really, really good in the passing game. Part of that is that if if things are covered up, Bryce Young's going to go get a first down with his legs too, you know. And and so I think, man, putting Demarvin Overshone, and it was interesting to see him pass rushing a little bit more, Sam. But the the situation with him, you know, Diamante Tucker Dorsey, the guys they have back at linebacker. It's not the deepest group. It's got some experience, but I, you got to think those guys have to bring it in this one. They have to. Yeah. And you, you're right. They did put overshone on the edge, which Sark alluded to this offseason when they brought Tucker Dorsey and that was going to give him some options. Of course, Jalen Ford's out there. And the one mm-hmm. that caught my eye was Baron Sorrell. He's yeah. a younger guy, sophomore, really played well last week, uh, started at that at that edge rusher position, the Jack. Uh, th- there was a Ethan Burke, a true freshman, also rotated in there. So, They've got some guys who can get after, and I thought up front they played overall fairly well, but this is going to be, again, a different level they're going to have to bring it to. And you're right, the linebacker play is going to be key. I think they've got enough on the defensive line to, to hold up because they've got a ton of experience there. I love yeah. that they're able to roll guys on the defensive right. line, but it's that, that back. That's where it's going to be. That, so that's the group that has to kind of play up to their, their star rating in this kind of game. You know what I mean? Like that's the group that has a ton of experience now. They weren't. They they haven't been, you know, best in the Big 12 kind of D-line at this point in their careers. This is the kind of game when you've really got to bring it. Yeah, by your Byron Murphy, who I thought really flashed last week, but your Keandre Kerlburns, who's been around for a while. Yeah. Your Mora Ojimos, you know, those guys have to really bring it. And then and then as they roll in Vernon Broughton and some of these others, they're they're really gonna have to to hold up in that run game to to give themselves a chance. To like, like we were talking about with Quinn, to put Bryce Young in some second and longs and third and longs so they can come after him. I, I do feel like it's just a little bit different than a couple of years ago. You remember in 2019, um, LSU came to Austin and and had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, a national title caliber team. And, and it was a real shootout um, down to the very end there. And, you know, part of that is I think you, you look back on it and just say that's that's the experience of Sam Ellinger and, and some of the guys that they had on that that team. And this is just a younger team by comparison. Uh, so I, I think if this turned into one of those kind of games, that would be massive for Texas, just in terms of where they're going and their 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 coaching ability and their talent level uh, to be able to make it a, a shootout game for three, four quarters. But I I don't know. How do you how do you see it? Like, what's it going to take for it to be a game that we're all watching in the fourth quarter? 
that's the key. And and, and I wrote about this today uh, in previewing the game was mm-hmm. for Texas. This is a chance to sh- audition and show off the progress that you said you've made. They say that the men- their mental toughness is better. They say the team chemistry and the culture is better. Well, this is your chance to show that. And if they if they can make this a game that we're all watching still in the fourth quarter that we're tuned in, that's a win for me in my book for them because that's a 20 point spread nobody's expecting this to be competitive certainly you don't it, it, i hadn't had seen out. the number is it has that been going up or has that well, been steady there slight it's been steady i think it was 20 earlier in the week it's 20 and a half right now it's okay. been pretty much staying steady uh-huh. but you don't want to be down by four or five touchdowns in the first half that would be a disaster if you win obviously that would be that puts you in the playoff conversation but to me as long as you are in this game in the fourth quarter or or even somewhat deep into the second half, then I think that shows some progress and that's something you can build on with this team. Because to me, we put a lot on this game, but to me, for Texas, what's more important is everything after this. Because they didn't beat Iowa State last year. They didn't beat Kansas last year. They didn't beat West Virginia last year. Right after this one, they've got UTSA and then Texas Tech on the road. Yep. So to me, it's what happens because no, none of us are expecting to win this game. It, to me, it's what happens after this game that, that's important. And, and but in order to be in it at that point, take care of the ball. You've got to you've got to manage that pressure, like you said. And you you've just got to move the chains a little bit to keep them from coming after Quinn. Because again, if you put this all on this redshirt freshman, I think it's going to be really really challenging. Well, and, and you know from from seeing it last year, AM getting it done. It, it's just it's immeasurable what that does for your program and your recruiting. Just to get one of those wins and to be able to point to it and say we're getting really close. Um, I don't think Texas is at that same spot in in their program here in in uh, in year two with Sark. But uh, man, it would be hilarious. Like if Texas found a way to win, I, I, some some miraculous way to win. We're, we're like, are people putting them like fifth in the poll next week? Like, how, like putting them tenth? Like, I, you, I, I mean, I imagine it'd be similar to Florida a little bit, where everyone would just be like, okay, wow, all right, they've got some stuff here. Like, they're we've underestimated them a little bit, top fifteen at least. But like, I don't know, how high do you think Texas? I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty comical if Texas pulls it off. How quickly people are high in Texas? Yeah, I think you they probably they're probably in the top ten at that point. You would have to think, <laughs> uh, which. So. Wow. Like that would just, that would throw the whole Texas season into overdrive because I think you've seen it in Sark's off season comments about, well, we're a young team. We're going to have some growing pains and the way he's kind of been building up to this season is, Hey, this is not going to be a perfect year. And he hasn't said that explicitly, but that's certainly the tone you get. If all of a sudden you win this game and you're in the playoff hunt, Oh boy, (laughs) it's going to be interesting. Here's a question I have for you too, by the way, this was circulating on Twitter last night. From a Texas fan, if you if you win this game, if you're Texas and you're in this in stands, do you rush the field? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I, I was thinking, and me, you think, to Texas me, fan, you think Texas fans are like we're above that? I there, certainly there's there seems to be some segment of them, but I, I I definitely from the tweet that I saw circulating last night. I think most of them, most people would say, understand, hey, you probably should because you can say that about Texas, but let's be honest, they haven't been a great program since these teams last met in 2000, in the 2010 championship game, following 2009 season. So the, the, a lot of the stu- students, especially the students that are in the stands for this game are probably barely old enough to remember the last time Texas played a national championship game. 
So the students, I would think, would want to do it. And if the students do it, then I think everybody else follows. Yeah. But it would be fascinating to see that if that happened. All right. Over under three and a half. Will Anderson sacks. What do you what are you taking? I'll take slightly slightly under because, you know, they're going to devote they're going to devote extra resources to him. There's no mm-hmm. question. So yeah. from a time. So, so Dallas Turner will, will probably get him. Somebody else. Maybe Dallas yeah. Turner will get in. I'll get yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it may be it may be spread across the line. So. Yeah, it's uh I, I mean talk about people that need to have unbelievable performances. Like if Kyle Flood can get his guys right for this, and obviously Kyle Flood coached in Alabama and has has some advantage there uh, to some extent, but I mean to take this young group and get them to be able to hold up. I mean AM was was able to do it a little bit last year, obviously, but yeah, I mean, they had two freshmen on the line in that game they did. last year. They did, but yeah, to, if, if you can get that group to survive this game and give Quinn time to throw, that would be again kind of miraculous. Yeah, Ke- Kelvin Banks and and Christian Jones. This is your time, buddy. These this is your time for where you make the money. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so so that'll be fun. That that I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. And eat now, some good food coming to this game too. Yeah, and and he texted me and he said we're going to Torchies, right? So I want to ask you, Sam, what's your Torchies order? The last time I went, the last few times I've gone, I've been going with that fried avocado. Ooh, I like that one. I love that. I love their fried avocado one. It's it's there's no meat in it. It's just veggies and and fried avocado. Uh, so I, I that that's my personal one as of late. That's been my option. And then of course you got to get the queso. You got to get the mm-hmm. the green chili queso on the side. No doubt. And uh, and to me that usually will do the trick. What about you? Yeah, I I like the I like doing a trailer park regular, not trashy. I I really but. I could name off eight different tacos I like there. I really like Brush Fire. I really like Mr. Orange, the the salmon taco on a on a corn tortilla. Uh you really can't go wrong. And then yeah, you gotta have the green chili queso. You can get the half order. That's a that's a pro move you can do if you're trying to to watch your figure and only have a thousand calories <laughs> instead of fifteen hundred calories at Torchies. But uh yeah, the green chili queso is uh it, it, from a restaurant standpoint, there's nobody better. Yeah, I got I got Mr. Orange last time I went to, so that was that's a good one. That's a good call. Look at us, look at us, lean healthy boys. That's you right. Know? You got you got to get got to got a little fish in your life, fish and some veggies. <laughs> so 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 that that's the game that everybody's paying attention to this week. But the game did, that did, I do you like, have a pick on that one? Oh, it's Alabama. I I, I think Alabama covers. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking like a 48 24 type of game. Is, okay, all right, so pretty similar. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The game that might be the low key under the radar game of the week is in Provo, nine fifteen Central. So stay up, boys and girls. It's uh, it's going to be a late one. Baylor 
Number nine, Baylor at number 21, BYU. This, Max, I've been waiting for this one because to me, this is a huge litmus test game for Baylor. What do you think about this one as we, as we go in for, for this critical battle and future Big 12 foes? I, I, first of all, I, I like low-key game of the week. I think we can keep doing that. That's a good one. Um, I've covered a game at BYU. It was the infamous one where Texas went there. And Jason oh, uh, Hill ran all over. For like 600 yards. And then Manny Diaz <laughs> got fired off of it. That was my one trip to, to Provo. It was incredible. Um, Isn't it pretty there, by the way? I hear it's like one of the prettiest settings absolutely. for a college football game. Absolutely. And, and and the flying flying into Salt Lake City was uh, was beautiful as well. No, no coffee in the press box is tough for that, that late of a kick, man. Um, that's, that's tough. Um, in terms of the actual matchup, you know, I'm, I'm really high on BYU. I, I like what we've been doing the, the FWA super 16 vote and I've got them, I think like 13th in the country. I think I'm a lot higher on them than, than most people and AP voters and, and coaches voters, just cause I, I just love what they bring back this year. And, and, you know, obviously this is the last year of the independent schedule and, and that makes for some very watchable games and, and, and a challenging road at times, but man, I, I just really like what they've got back with Jaron Hall and the experience on that team. They added, you know, uh, good, good pieces. The, the running back from Cal Brooks, I think is, has a chance to be really, really good this year. Um, I, I think that that's a squad that like is probably being underrated a little bit. And, you know, obviously Baylor got it done against them last year in Waco. Um, I think we're just going to, we're going to find out a lot about Blake Shapin in this game and, and, and really about who are, you know, like you knew who Baylor was going to lean on in big games last year, right? You knew Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner were going to have to do big things for them to, 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 to get, you know, survive these, these really close games. Obviously you knew Tyquan Thornton had that, that big playability um we're gonna kind of i think we're gonna kind of find out who are those guys for this baylor team you know who are the ones that you can really count on in uh in a late night big test against a really good uh, opponent that's coming to your conference how do you see it yeah no i think that's it and that to me that's why this game has been so interesting to me because we know what they brought back on the line scrimmage all those offensive linemen all those defensive linemen they added jackson player we know all that's good yep. but shaping the two starts he had were at home against Texas Tech and then in Arlington in the Big 12 championship game. So this is his first real true road game. Uh, so, so that's going to be a test of these running backs that they have. Abram Smith's gone. They've got Tate McWilliams. They've got Richard Reese, the freshman. They've got Squirrel Williams, who's a small but really, really tough guy. And then those receivers you mentioned, I think that's been kind of an underrated thing this offseason is losing RJ Steen and Tyquan Thornton, I think, yeah. is going to be a little bit of a transition. they got to grow up there. And we all saw Monterey Baldwin in the Sugar Bowl take that, you know, forty-five yard uh, sweep, you know, to the Love end zone. Name. He can, he can, he can run. And so, yeah. but there's a bunch of other guys who have been on this roster, the Jalen Ellis's, the Hal Presley's, who haven't really had a chance to be the guy. And so now this is kind of their chance to see, uh, to see what they're made of and to see what those backs are made of. And, and how do you replace? Uh, a Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard. How do you replace all those guys yeah. in the secondary that are went into the NFL? Those are all things I think we're going to find out in a big way. And certainly there's 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 also some intrigue from my perspective because you've got J- Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator who spent time at BYU, who was there before he got hired at Baylor, Eric Mateos as well. So there's some familiarity there for sure. But to me, this game tells me whether Baylor is a team that can go back and win the Big 12 or get back to both championship or if maybe – they're a team that maybe we need to temper our expectations on a little bit. By the way, this this I don't know if you've looked at this BYU schedule. 
They're playing Oregon next week. They're going to play Notre Dame in October in Las Vegas. And then they're going to play Arkansas the week after that. Oof. <laughs> They've got some, I mean, they're going to have some real big time games and this is going to be a great, um, you know, there's going to be another great opportunity for them to, to kind of show people what they've got too. Um, and I think that that I, I, what, what's the line on this one? Uh, it is BYU minus three. I'm kind of tempted to take BYU on that. I, I think that that home field advantage and that late kick, um, it's going to, I think it's going to be a nice little advantage for them as they come into the big 12. And you think, I think, you know, they want this one because they went to Waco last, last year yeah. and they got handled. Mm-hmm. And and I I know Kalani Sataki and, and that team has probably got to be fired up for this one, especially with the night kick. By the way, speaking of future Big Twelve, Commissioner Brett Yormark will be at this game, uh, so mm-hmm. that'll be uh, so they'll have that audience as well to to display the future. Of the Big we got a little bit of a future Big Twelve matches with Baylor BYU, and and later on we'll talk in the show about Houston Texas Tech. But there's a couple intriguing future Big Twelve matchups going on this weekend. Yeah, for sure. I, and that's going to be, I, I don't know. It's like the rest of the BYU schedule, like, you know, pretty, pretty winnable games there, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they make that transition into this. Uh, obviously it won't be a round Robin schedule in the big 12, but what their new scheduling kind of looks like here going forward. But uh, you know, obviously it's important to Brett Yormark in the big 12 to try and take advantage of this window that they're adding to this conference. And so there's going to be, I don't know. What do you think for, Four Big Twelve teams that have to go out to Provo and probably play a, a late game next year. Yeah, yeah. So get get your uh, get that uh, those extra again, late folks, night reps. Yeah. Uh, again, folks, this episode is brought to you by sleep. Get that sleep. <laughs> Got to rest Let up for these late night kicks that you're going to start getting. And know what was it? Your Mark talking yesterday about trying to add teams out west, extend into that fourth time zone. So. Yeah. Uh, so if that's... you're a Baylor fan, you can't start drinking too early. You know, it's a long day. <laughs> you got to get through a long day for that 9:15 central kick. Yeah, it's uh, it is. Like I said, I've had a couple a couple weeks now to get ready. I'm gonna have to try and make it all the way through this time. And uh, uh, like I said last sober, week, I stayed though, up. Right? I stayed you're, up. Just to be the... clear, you're talking about sober, 100. Yeah. It's a work yeah. day, Bubba. It's a work Come day. Uh, but I stayed up for TCU Colorado last week and made it all the way through. So if I can make it all the way through that one, I feel like I should be able to make it through Baylor BYU. But, that I caught. Uh, I I was able to watch it into the third quarter, but I I tapped out. I yeah, it, it was a rough. That that one was a rough go, especially early because it was just it was an ugly game early. I mean, it it's was. week one, so uh, it is what it is. But uh, we got a big rivalry game this week. Cyhawk week. Iowa State at Iowa, three o'clock Central on Big Ten Network. Iowa's three and a half point favorite at this point. And Max, you. Uh, well, by the way, how's Iowa three and a half point favorite when they only scored seven last week and none of which came via a touchdown? That that is a combination of home field advantage and historic advantage of uh, they've they've never lost to Matt Campbell. Okay, so that's true. That Iowa State's last win in the series, 2014. I got to tell you, Max, I, I saw the I was traveling to Austin and I saw all the hoopla on Twitter about the Iowa game last week. Mm-hmm. and everybody's talking about it and i was like okay let me turn it on so i stopped i turned it on for a few possessions in the fourth quarter so let me check out and see what this iowa game's doing i couldn't do it man i did it for three <laughs> possessions and i was out i could not and me anybody who follows me or or is known my ethos on football i do not like punts i am not mm-hmm. a fan especially on the plus side but just generally uh punting on fourth and short makes me very sad 
And this game was like my worst nightmare. It was like going into a dark room and watching a horror flick. So <laughs> I, I couldn't take it. So you tell me, Max, Iowa, how good are they really? And and how does how does Hunter Deckers, who you wrote a great feature on today at theathletic.com, the new Iowa State quarterback, how is he going to go ahead and get it done and make it to where he's they're not Iowa State's not an ugly punting battle with Iowa. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's I, as I was watching that game last weekend, it definitely occurred to me that like, well, based on the way that these Cyhawk games have been going lately, like this game is like definitely going to be like a 16 to 13 Iowa win. Like that's just, that's just the script, right? Like that's just how it goes. Iowa state turns it over a couple times. Iowa never turns it over against Iowa state in, in, in recent history here. And uh, you know, it's kind of a shoot yourself in the foot kind of thing with Iowa state in this, these games that just, that's just kind of been the trend. And you saw it last year where Brock Purdy threw three picks and uh, Brees Hall fumbled at his own goal line. And, uh, you know, it, it was just bizarre stuff. I Part of it is, and and we'll, we'll all be reminded of this this week, Iowa's defense is really good. And Iowa's special teams with their, their punter, Torrey Taylor, really, really good. Like, And that's part of what's so outrageous about this offense is, A, they didn't change anything. B, they didn't bring in a new quarterback. And, uh, and see, it, it, it's even worse than last year somehow. Like it's just, it's wild. Um, <laughs> I mean, Tyler Linderbaum's important, but like, is he, is he that important that like he can't do anything? So, um, I, it was, it was really, I agree with you. It was really hard to watch. And I feel like it just puts so much more pressure on Iowa state now because everyone is just, uh, dragging Iowa all week long and saying that, you know, how awful they are and, and, you know, I, I think it just creates this, you know, assumption that, okay, well, this is this is the year Iowa State gets over on them, right? This is the year they finally do it. And it does feel like it should be the year. Um, and I, I I like what Iowa State did in their opener. I, you know, I think Hunter Deckers, uh, like, like you said, I wrote about him today. Um, this is a guy that a lot, a lot of people don't really know very much about, which is why I wanted to profile him because um, he, he, I think from everyone I've talked to at Iowa State over the past couple of years, they feel like this guy's really special. They really do. And, and he's been kind of, um, you know, under the radar here, he's been hot behind Brock Purdy for, for two seasons, but you know, you talk to his teammates, uh, Xavier Hutchinson told me his arm talent is exceptional. Coaches say that, you know, when he went to their camp in, in the summer of 2019, it was the best performance by a quarterback in a camp they've ever seen. And he's only gotten better from that. He 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 knows how to run this offense. He's in the best shape of his life. He's a really good athlete. This is a four-sport kid um, out of small town Iowa who, um, you know, has just been a terrific leader for these guys already. And everyone loves him on that team. I think he's he's been a really well-kept secret at Iowa State because I know people turn, tuning in that game probably don't know very much about him. And you had to turn on ESPN Plus to even watch him last week. But um, I'm excited to see if this kid can show out. Um, it's a big test, obviously, for his second career start. But uh, I think he's ready for it. And I think Iowa State offensively is in a really good spot here to to do some stuff against Iowa. It's just going to be uh, a challenge of can Iowa State get out of, out of their own way and and build a lead and hold on to it. And that's just been really, really hard. But this is, uh, this is part of why Matt Campbell's still at Iowa State. This is one of those things that it's unfinished business for them. They have to get this done. I think it just eats at everybody there that they haven't been able to pull this off, even when there's been games where they felt like they had the better team. And so um, long winded rant of saying, I think they get it done this time, but man, I don't, I don't, I don't think you feel very good about it because it's just going to be going into Iowa city. It's a great environment. And uh, it's, it's as much as everyone's down on Iowa right now, it's going to be a really tough game. 
Yeah, and and I think obviously nationally, a lot of people have known the names Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. Uh, they've been so synonymous with this team in the last few years. But like you said, Decker's played really well last last week, and then Jirel Brock has been around this program for a little while. Xavier Hutchinson uh, did a, obviously went off last week as well, and and that that's a name obviously people are going to know. So it's going to be a chance, I think, for Iowa State to display uh, some of what it is now, and and kind of it's some of the new faces that are here to to take this program forward but yeah i think you're right and it's a rivalry game i mean the, the, yeah we know how it goes a lot of hate a lot yeah. of hate yeah so so it, it's one of those things where it, the spread's probably about right you know it's 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 close to a coin flip but th- this is one that i think I, I think it's safe to say because of how long it's been since they won this is one iowa state wants really really bad this is like i, I was talking to someone i would say this week it was like you know this is if if they win on Saturday, it will be like the best feeling in their lives. And if they lose, it's it's pretty much going to be the worst. It really yeah. is. I mean, that's just how, and that's what we love about this, right, man? Like that's what that's what's fun about it is that these games, even though they're not in the same conference, and even though you know Iowa State's doing fine in recruiting, they don't like need to win one of these to prove something to people or anything. Like not really, right? Um, it doesn't affect how they, you know, whether you can play for a Big Twelve title this year or anything, but it just matters so much to everybody there throughout the state. And uh, yeah, it's either gonna be the best feeling or the worst feeling ever. And I, I think Deckers has a chance to surprise some people, but you know, I was going to throw a lot at him. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So three o'clock Saturday, big 10 network, Cyhawk, check it out. And then this is a sneaky, interesting game to me uh, because it was one that I think a lot of us have overlooked on the calendar because AM's early schedule didn't seem super intimidating before they get to Miami next week. But App State goes to number six, Texas AM, 230 uh, Central ESPN2. AM's 19 and a half point favorite, but App State dropped 61 against North Carolina. Now, I Buddy, was, I watched a lot of App State football. I was going to say, please, please tell me because I watched a lot of the AM game, at least the first half before the weather delay. Uh, and then eventually they settled in and beat Sam Houston thirty-one nothing in the second half. But tell me a little bit about what what App State got going that they were able to get so hot against North Carolina, and and should that be cause for concern for A and M fans when Mountaineers come down? It, Sam, if you're falling asleep during Iowa South Dakota State, I, I'll tell you, North Carolina App State was it was like a hook it to my veins kind of game. It was <laughs> it was. All shots, no chaser. It was uh, <laughs> it was phenomenal. It was really fun to watch the, the back and forth. Um, Drake May played really well for North Carolina. I think they've got they've got a real dude there. But man, this is a really tough App State team. Obviously, neither team played any defense, but this is a really tough App, App State team. Um, Chase Bryce, who has had a fascinating career, started backing up Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. Went on to Duke. Did not have a good year at Duke. Moved on to a really successful program in App State. And uh, and has been really really good there. Um, that I he he's just a gamer man, and uh, it, it was one of those games where all this crazy stuff happened in the fourth quarter, and yet like so so like that onside kick, and North Carolina takes it to the house, and then they get the ball back and uh, a long have a long kick return. App State just goes down and scores in two plays. Like it was just one of those like <laughs> just, everything was working, everything was working on both sides there offensively, and uh, I, I'm. I know that's not going to be the case this week, Sam. I'm, I'm curious what you. I, I did watch up until the delay. I did watch a good amount of A and M last week, um, and I, I thought the defense was impressive. I mean, I think that you you know the pieces, the really highly touted pieces they have all over that defense. 
Um, I, I thought you, you saw those guys against Sam Houston, you know, look really good. It's not going to be that kind of game. I don't think in college station, but what, what did you take away from the Aggies and just like, how do you think they are set up for this game coming off a, a kind of a unique opener the way it played out? Yeah. Defensively. You're right. This team is really, really good. They're super strong on the back end. Uh, and then they've got a ton of defensive line talent, even though they lost all those starters last year. They've got a lot of returnees and a lot of young guys, obviously signed seven top 100 freshmen on the defensive line. So they're really, really stout there. So I would imagine that we're not going to see App State score 61 points in College Station this weekend. Uh, but there were some no, some so. some concerning uh, aspects uh, on, on offense. Haynes King in that first half, and it was his second, actually his third start technically, but his second full game that he's played because he only played two series against Colorado before he got injured last year. Thought Haynes forced a little bit over the middle a few times, at least three times by my count in the first half of that game, where it was very uh, just cut it loose and throw it over the middle of the field, regardless of what the situation was. And right. he got picked once uh, by former Texas defensive back BJ Foster, who was over Sam Houston State now. Uh, but the end zone. Yep. There, there were a couple others that I think in a different scenario probably could have been picked as well. Uh, so I think that is something you got to clean up if you're if you're Haynes King. Uh, and then offensive line, they were a little banged up. Bryce Foster center was out, so wasn't as consistent up front as you would probably expect to be uh, when you have three returning starters. But again, with one of those being out, I think Leighton Robinson was in and out of lineup too. So a little bit, a little bit of a tough go for them early on, but they they got it together and they were able to to put it away. But I think I definitely think from an A and M standpoint, you like to see more explosiveness. You did see some good stuff from Evan Stewart, the five star freshman receiver. It uh, looks like he's going to be really, really good. Uh, but you'd like to see Devon A-Chain get to get, get it going a little bit more. You'd like to see King take care of the ball a little more. But yeah. there's no doubt in my mind, obviously, this is one of the most talented teams in the country. It's just a matter of, hey, I think do you chalk it up to week one? Just got to clean up week one stuff. And yes, it was an FCS team, but it's one of the best FCS teams out there that actually is moving to FBS uh, next year, Sam Houston, which, of course, you know won the national championship not too long ago. So. Uh, I this game becomes so interesting to me because of that because I'm curious to see what AM cleans up and is that just typical week one stuff or do we find out in this game are those signs of a larger trend that that are going to be concerning from an AM standpoint? Yeah, I, I think the thing you saw uh, from AM last week, Sam, and I'm sure this kind of lines up with the buzz that that people were hearing you were hearing in, in fall camp was. Evan Stewart's definitely the best receiver on the team. You could tell by the intent of what they're doing on offense that they were trying to chuck him the ball as much as they could. And I think he's probably set up to have a pretty nice, uh, nice game here in week two. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's give apologies to Nia Smith because Anias yeah, An- yeah, yeah. is everything. I don't, don't just categorize him as a receiver because he's a running back. He's a receiver. He's a punt returner. He does every damn thing. Except right. sell popcorn total, total all-purpose Kyle Field. But yeah. but as pure, just a pure receiver. Yeah, Evan Evan Stewart is that dude. And I, I'm tremendously excited to see him get a lot of time last week and interested to see how he grows throughout the year, but he is hundred uh, percent electrifying, electrifying players. So well, it, fast- it seems like the recruiting pitch is, is matching up to kind of what, uh, you know, what they're trying to do. I mean, they, they did seem to, uh, you know, we'll see in this game, do you get a little bit more conservative again, but it did seem like they want to trust Haynes King to fling it around. No, no doubt. And they did that in the spring game. That was one thing. And Jimbo has said it 
we want to throw the ball downfield more. They know they have to do it better. They were really poor at doing it last year, yep. and they've got to do a better job of it. And if they're going to have high-end receivers, you're going to have to show them you can do it. So, yeah, I think some of it is, is you know, hey, we're going to force the issue. Uh, but I think you're just going to have to be smart about how you take those risks. And by the way, in this game, a shout-out to App State Offensive Coordinator Kevin Barbe. He's a Texas native, southeast Texas, uh, from Nederland. Uh, started his career in, in the Beaumont area. Uh, really did a hell of a job last week, obviously, with App State. So be a little bit of a homecoming for him coming back to Texas uh, and with Mountaineers. So that's an go. interesting one. And the other last game I think that we want to talk about that, that is interesting to both of us is we kind of mentioned at the top is number 25 Houston going to Texas Tech. Uh, three o'clock Central FS1. Tech is a minus three and a half. Uh, U of H survived a scare from UTSA with that triple overtime game. I was locked into that one. I don't know how much of that you got to catch, but Boy, oh, that yeah. was that was a hard stopper at the end. And then uh Texas Tech. Hey, Fr- shout out Frank Harris, man. Dude, I was I was on the I got maybe a little carried away, but I was definitely pumping up Frank Harris for Heisman on Saturday <laughs> afternoon. If we were doing the straw poll this week, you would have put some votes I, in for I may have put in some votes for, for Frank Harris. And then, Harris. And then yeah. I would have to put Clayton Toon in there too, because Clayton <laughs> made one of the plays of the day flipping over a defender, which we'll talk no about question. Clayton here in just a minute. But uh this is interesting because again, future Big 12 game. Houston's a team that people have put as the New Year's Six uh, group of five team. Tech has got the Joy McGuire era started with a win, but they're without Tyler Shuck. He got left shoulder injury. He's going to be out for a few weeks, Joy McGuire said. So it's Donovan Smith going to be at the controls for Tech. Uh, but w- what what stands out to you about this game and, and what intrigues you the most? Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, so obviously the way Tech handled this, they had a three-man quarterback battle throughout the offseason. And Tyler Shuck ends up winning it. You kind of expected that would be the case just based on how well he bounced back from his injury last year. But don't you think is obviously it's really important to them to get Shuck back as soon as possible with some really tough games coming up here, some challenging games. But do you expect much of a drop off with Donovan Smith? I don't know that I do. No, no. And he played a lot last year and I, I was really impressed. I thought he closed out really well last year. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in the bowl game against Mississippi State. Really loved how he looked. And he can run that off. And obviously, it's a different offense now under Zach Kelly than it was last year. But I think there's enough similarities to... And and Donovan's a big guy. He's a great athlete. They've got a lot of players around him. they got really good running backs. They've got talented receivers. Uh, he he can do some stuff that Bailey Zappi can't do too, right? 100%. I mean, there, there's going to be some different looks, I think, this week in terms of uh, you know letting letting Donovan Smith uh, make some plays on the outside. I would think. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, and, and they're going to test those corners. You know, Houston's got two new starting corners because uh, their their two went to the draft last year. So they're they're going to test those guys. Uh, and and again, Houston had a little bit of more trouble than I think they thought they would against UTSA and. Uh, they had to pull that one out. They were down 21-7 in the third quarter, uh, and it looked bleak for a little while and then until mm-hmm. they got it going. But uh, Clayton Toon, I thought, played his rear end off. And uh, to me, I, when you guys did the Heisman draft, somebody drafted Clayton Toon. I can't remember who it was. Fortuna, but, I think, did. Yeah, but but he definitely is a guy that looks like one of the better quarterbacks in the country, a pro prospect you know, down the road. For sure, uh, and and uh, if Houston's gonna if Houston's gonna be that team this year, uh, he's gonna be the one to have to carry them through. Well, and you saw just in terms of the way that that Houston was kind of perceived last year. I don't think they ever climbed any higher than twentieth in the in the playoff rankings. 
you, you do have to just have this win on your resume in order to be able to actually rise up, right? You just kind of get capped if you don't win that Power 5 game. Yeah, 100%. Because then the perception of you just goes downhill. And they've got another Power 5 game after this. they got Kansas at yeah. home, but it, but it's Kansas. So that one's not going to be a feather in your resume in the way that maybe this one could be to an extent. I have heard some people say in the offseason that maybe they're like a dark horse playoff team. But to me, there's not enough strength on the schedule. Texas Tech and Kansas and UTSA are really the best teams on the schedule. I guess SMU down the road, but none of those wins to me are of the caliber that what Cincinnati got last year against Notre Dame to get them in that mix. But if you win the conference and you get that New Year's six bet, I still think that's a really, really good year as you head into the Big 12. Well, should we get into it with Clayton Toon? Let's do it. Let's talk to Houston quarterback Clayton Toon. One of the most exciting games of week one was Houston's 37-35 triple overtime victory over UTSA. And on the podcast today, we have on with us the man who helped lead the Cougars to that thrilling win, the most acrobatic quarterback in the country based on that final play, Houston quarterback Clayton Toon. Clayton, thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. So let's start there. It's 35-35. You're in your third overtime. You're in a dogfight at the Alamo Dome against UTSA. You're at this point where you only got one play, the two-point play. You get flush, you scramble, run to the right, and you do a somersault over a defender into the right pylon. Take me through that. A, how that play developed, and B, how the heck did you pull off that flip? <laughs> Man, it just, just kind of happened. I don't really know. Um, but no, we had a pass play call. Like you said, we had we were down to two point conversions and we just had a false start. So we had moved it back five. Um, and so we had a pass play called. Um, and then at the snap, I saw they were blitzing. And so I was like, I'm not hanging around. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take a sack. Like I'm getting out of here. I can't wait for this play to develop. So I felt the blitz escaped right and um, saw the corner. Um, and then I saw one guy left to beat. And, you know, I wasn't going to try and run over him because those guys are probably a lot stronger and, and uh more physical than me so i was like the only way i'm getting in is if i go over the top so i just kind of made the decision to go airborne and um good thing it worked out so (laughs) you know and it's a it's a fine line there clayton you watch the slow-mo of it i know it it happens fast but in slow-mo you landed on your back at least right i mean you, you could land on your head pretty easily if somebody knocks you the wrong way no doubt yeah it was a good thing so after i jumped there was a guy that came and hit me while i was in the air kind of forced me to go forward if if that guy didn't hit me I might have landed funny so thank goodness that guy was there to kind of push me over the edge you know week one always gets a little crazy uh obviously you guys don't get preseason games you only get intra-squad scrimmages so how much of a fight was this game and and what what did it take for you guys to pull that one out it was uh it was very you know very much so a fight it was a it was an emotional game you know UTSA is really good they Coming off a 12-2 and two season, they won their conference. They had a, a lot of hype around the team. The city was behind them. You know, they play in that Alamo Dome, which gets really loud. I mean, they had – Yeah, like how was that environment? It was fun. It was a lot of – it was very hostile. It was, you know, damn near sold out, and it was loud. I mean, some of those third downs, I can't even – I can't hear myself, and I know the O-line can't hear me. So, there was – that was part of the reason for some of those false starts. Um, but it was a lot of fun. You know, there was – you know, we came out, um, didn't start the fastest, obviously, but just the message from me and the coaches and, you know, everybody else was, look, like, we're in a hostile environment, like, don't panic. You know, if we if we get down early, do not panic. And so that was kind of our mantra going into the game. And 
Um, that's what we stuck to and, and came back late, which was fun. Yeah, you, you know, you guys won the toss uh, and took the ball first in overtime. And, and we had a story this week on The Athletic about how uh, Ryan Dorchester and Dane Holgerson figured this out a few years ago. The strategy, it's better to have it first on offense. I'm curious. Uh, and, and you know, the conventional wisdom is that it, usually it's better to have it first on defense and kind of know what you need on offense. What, what did you think of that strategy and finally getting to try to use that in, in a game? I didn't, I mean, I didn't know much about it. Obviously, um, Dorchester's the guy behind the the stats and the numbers. So I trusted him and, um, you know, his thought process. And so it does, I mean, in that moment, I'm not really thinking about that. I'm just saying, all right, we got the ball. Like I'm thinking about the play that's called, you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, I didn't think much about it, but I'm glad we did it because it worked out. How many of those two point conversion plays do y'all have? You know what I mean? When it comes down to it, uh, we usually practice about three of them um but we had already used one earlier in the game yeah um so we were down to two and then you know we used the two and we went into three or four overtimes or whatever it was so at that point we were kind of just kind of scraping the barrel looking for something to to get on the board (laughs) i mean it looked like when you guys were playing it looked like you guys could have gone four five six overtimes easily yeah, no, we definitely could have, but I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys practiced that during spring ball, right? Because I, I went there during your spring game, quote unquote, which I know Dana doesn't really like spring games, but you guys did the little scrimmaging and you guys in those things with some overtime periods. Did, did that help? Did, does that that stuff help you? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of games throughout the season where you get to practice that. So it's good to at some point in the offseason practice that. So it definitely helped for sure just kind of knowing the the flow of things and how the, you know, how, how it all works out. So Clayton, you're in your fifth season now, obviously you guys came off the 12 and two year last year, open up with a big win this year. How are you feeling overall about your career trajectory and, and the trajectory of this program? I'm feeling good. You know, it's been a, we've come a long way, you know, from the time I first got here and the time, um coach Holgerson and his staff first got here you know it's it's been a steady incline which has been really fun to see and be a part of um but I'm feeling really good about this team and what we can do um we have a lot of really good players really talented guys that are you know that made plays Saturday and they're that are going to continue to make plays the rest of the season so um man I'm just excited for everybody and the and the things that we can accomplish this year Clayton, people know your story a little bit. You came to Houston in 2018 as the backup to Derek King, and and you had to play a lot in your first two seasons, didn't get the red shirt, and then you took this thing over in 2020. But I want to go back to February of 2017 because I've never asked you about this before. What do you remember about Kansas Junior Day? That was a pretty infamous one. (laughs) It was. It was kind of – yeah, it was very interesting. I remember – I think Jamar Chase was there – a guy named WAP. I don't know his actual name, but he was, yeah. it was a bunch of dudes from Louisiana. Devonta Jason. Cor- yeah. yeah. Corian Harris was there. Um, Puka Williams, the running back. We were all there. Um, I guess the visit was great and we enjoyed it. And <laughs> we all ended up committing for a little bit. Um, but no, it was cool. All those guys are really good dudes. And um, we all enjoyed each other's company that weekend. So, yeah. Jamar stuck with the commitment for like a week or so, right? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Isn't that kind of funny? I mean, that was a very long time ago at this point. But like, imagine yeah. if if you and uh, and and uh, Jamar Chase and Puka had had taken over <laughs> Kansas football and saved that thing. I know that would that would have been hilarious. That was 
That was a funny time for sure. I, I actually hadn't thought about that in forever until the other day. Um, Jamar Chase's name got brought up, and then that memory randomly popped up in my head, and I was telling some people that story, and they were just kind of laughing about it. So crazy deal. Hey, David Beatty, good people though, right? Like I'm sure at the time you're like, it'd be it'd be nice to help get this program over the top here finally. Yeah, no, David Beatty was awesome. He was a great dude, um, great coach, and you know, wish nothing but the best for him. Now to let's let's jump back ahead to this summer. So you went to the Matting Academy this summer. Was it the, the first year you did that? Yeah, that was my first time. And you I know you won the Air It Out Challenge. Just how was that experience? It was the coolest experience of my life. I mean, it was so much fun. You know, they the camp is mainly for the high school and middle school kids. So it's like yeah. fifteen hundred, you know, high school and middle school kids. And then they invite this year they invited forty five college quarterbacks, uh, basically to be like the camp counselors. So we would have a, a staff meeting at like seven thirty in the morning or whatever. And then after that we'd work the kids camp. So we'd work it from, you know, eight thirty to like one or two and then we get a little break and then we'd come back and do some more drills. And then in the evening, the college guys would get to do our own workout with the Mannings and, you know, other coaches that were there to help. Um, and so, you know, that was a lot of fun. But outside of that, after we got all our work done for the day, we would do a social event at night with just the college guys and the basically the staff. So we'd go to, you know, some somebody's house and have dinner or go to, you know, whatever, uh, and then afterwards they had rented out this bar in Thibodeau for all the guys to go to. So we'd go and nice. hang out. And, uh, the, the tab was on the Mannings, which was really nice. So we would, <laughs> we'd go up there and, you know, hang out and, you know, it was, it was so much fun. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. This is a really funny story. So at one of those events, um, they had a bunch of tables where you'd go get a plate and you'd sit down and eat. And so I was sitting down and I'd finished my food. And so I had my dirty plate sitting in front of me and there was an open seat next to me. So Eli comes and sits down next to me and he's got his food and he goes, crap, I forgot a fork. And he looks at my dirty plate. He goes, you mind if I use your fork? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, go for oh it. My God. He, he ended up just using my fork. Like guys made millions of dollars, but you know, doesn't care. <laughs> down to earth as can be. <laughs> All right, so who are, from your time at that, A, who are your buddies now, the guys that you befriended among these college QBs, and then B, when you guys were out there slinging it, who are the guys where you're like, wow, this guy's this guy's legit? Man, I made a lot of friends. I can't, I mean, you know, so my roommates, we stayed at the dorms at, at Nickel State, and so it was dorms of four bedrooms. So it was uh, Cameron Rising from Utah, Brennan Armstrong from Virginia, um, and then Phil Jerkovic from uh, Boston College. It was us four in a room. Um, so we all became pretty close. And then we actually still we have a group chat of, you know, most of the guys that were there. Um, like Will Levis and I, you know, hit it off. It was it was fun hanging out with him. Kyle King, who plays at um, Mary Harden Baylor, was really cool. Um, there was just a whole lot of guys. I mean, I, it's too many to name off, but those are just some of the names. It's a really star-studded event, just in terms it's, of the number of guys that come out to that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Sam Hartman and I were hanging out. He was a cool dude. Um, really, everyone there was cool. I enjoyed everyone's company. It's it's kind of hard to get close with everybody because there's so many. Sure, um, you're only there for you know three days, um, but it was a lot of fun. Jarrett Dagey and I hung out and got to know each other. Um, but yeah, dude, that was by far one of the coolest experiences of my life. 
So and who who are the guys out there in the drills and stuff where you're like, man, this guy's this guy's pretty special. I, I mean, yeah, obviously you went out there to prove yourself, but I'm sure you saw some guys that to impressed you. No doubt. Um, Cam Rising threw it really well from Utah. He spun it. Um, Will Levis threw it well. Um, really, everybody did. I'm trying to think. I know. So Anthony Richardson, we were throwing a deep post route, and you know you could do a heavy play action, and most people would do a play action, and on their third step, they're getting the ball out. He would do his play action and sit there and wait a couple seconds for the receiver to get down the field, and he threw one like 80 yards. And I'm like, dude, what? I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> so that was that was pretty impressive. Um, Brandon Armstrong threw it well. I mean, really everyone there threw it threw it really well. So it was fun to hang around those guys and get to see them perform. So how did you win that? What what, what did it take to, uh, you know, in terms of winning the uh, air it out competition? How's that go? So it was, so we threw routes on air before. So there's 45 of us and we all went in alphabetical order by our last name. And so everyone, you'd wait in line and you would throw a route. You know, there was a bunch of receivers there. You'd throw a route. So we did, we threw like four or five routes. Um, and then after that, we did the challenge. So what the challenge was, was, we were standing on the 40 or 50 or whatever it was, and there was three golf carts. So one would drive across the field at 15 yards. You'd have to hit that one. The other one was at like 20 or 25 yards. And then the last one was like simulating a go ball down the sidelines. So to move on, you had to hit all three targets to make it to the finals. And so of the 45, only five of us made it to the finals. All Five of us hit all three. And so in the finals, they only did two. They did the 25-yard throw and then the deep ball down the sideline. And so I was last because my my last name's at the end of the alphabet. So in the finals, I went last. And only – I don't think any – nobody hit both of them. And so I go up there, hit the first one, and then, you know, if I didn't hit that, there wasn't going to be a winner because nobody had hit both. And so on the last throw of the night – I throw it and, you know, and ended up hitting the target and everyone kind of went crazy. So it was, it was a special moment for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Clayton, you, you've been through a lot at this program and obviously you've been through coaching changes, scheme change, all kinds of stuff. Is Now that you though have been with the same head coach and, and coordinator for a few years, how much has that helped you uh, going into this season in terms of just comfort level and just mastering your game? It's helped a lot. You know, Coach Holgerson and Coach Dawson and I have um, gotten to know each other really well, know, you know, how how we operate. And, you know, they know how I play. I know how they coach. And, um, you know, that bond alone has helped a lot. So they, you know, are able to game plan um, with things in mind that, you know, they know I do well and try to avoid things that maybe I'm not so comfortable with, um, which has helped out a lot. And, you know, just their trust and confidence is, in me has been the main thing. You know, I've I've had my struggles here and there, and, you know, their confidence in me never wavered. So that's the thing I'm most thankful for. You, you mentioned that trust, and and last year when you guys played Texas Tech, that game didn't start or didn't end the way you guys wanted it to. It started really well, didn't end the way. And I had read where Shannon Dawson had kind of talked to you and your family about, hey, he still had full confidence in you despite that game not going the way it went. How much did that mean to you? And how much did that fuel you going forward through the rest of that 2021 season? Yeah, it meant a lot, you know, just to know that those guys weren't turning their back on me is, is you know, huge. Um, it was huge for my confidence. And, 
you know, gave me the, the go ahead to, you know, just continue to get better. You know, I was going, I was going to get better and learn from it regardless, but just having those guys on my side was just, you know, that much more helpful. So thankful the, to them for that. The, the coaches always say quarterback always gets too much credit and too much blame. What is that experience like on a, on a daily basis? How, Cause obviously it's fun, like on a week like this, but when things don't go so well, I imagine it's tough on you. What is it like to live that? Um, it's cool. You know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's what you sign up for. You know, you know what you're getting when you, when you sign up for it. So it's, you can't be caught off guard by it. Um, but the main thing that I've learned is just, you got to kind of just stay even killed. You can't let either one affect you too much. Cause if, you know, like on a week like this where everyone's, you know, patting our back and, you know, this and that, um, it can get to your head. You can let the, you can, you can let the hype and the, you know, everything get to your head. And then the same thing with the negativity, you know, after a loss, you didn't play well, you know, people are kind of ragging on you. It's, it's the same thing. So you kind of got to stay even killed and not let either one affect you in either way. You guys get Texas tech again this week, obviously a big game. You go to Lubbock this time. And like I said, you guys jumped out right away in that one. And obviously it slipped through. How bad do you guys want this one knowing where you guys were in position, you know, early on to start the year last year? Um, we want it, you know, just as bad as we want any game, you know, it's, it's the next team. It's the next opponent. You know, we're not, that's not our message this week is, oh, this is a revenge game. You know, it's, it's none of that. It's just the next team, um, the next opponent. We feel like, you know, every game this year is, is ours to win. You know, we need to, we need to go out there and win every game because we feel like we're capable of doing so. So that's really the message this week. It's not about, you know, revenge or anything like that. It's just, you know, playing the next team. Clayton, I, I think last year you guys probably didn't get enough credit for what you pulled off. I, you, you know, the the playoff committee and all those folks kind of questioned the strength of schedule and things like that. And, and obviously the way you finished the season uh, in, in playing Cincinnati really close and then beating Auburn, I think you, you sent a good message. What do you think of this Houston team? And just maybe the, I, it seems like kind of a similar position here of, of not a ton of hype around you guys, but I don't know. Do you see that as a good thing? Do you like that you guys get to kind of come out here and uh, and maybe surprise some people again this year? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I don't, um, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think we do better, you know, when we're there, when there's not a whole lot of hype. Um, you know, I think that's probably, I think the hype can sometimes can be harder for, for guys to handle. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we're just, we're really confident in our abilities and what we can be as a team. And I think this year we're going to be better than we were last year. So, um, you know, that confidence just comes from within our program and within, you know, each and every one of our players. So um, that's the way we play and practice and carry ourselves. When you say you think this team can be better, like what, what do you love about this team? I think we're closer as a team this year. I think, you know, everybody, I mentioned this in my post-game press conference um, last week, but, um, everyone just really enjoys each other. I would say, you know, we, we enjoy playing for each other. We enjoy each other's company. I feel like we've gotten closer this off season, you know, not only on the field and in the facility, but, you know, outside of here, we've spent more time together and, um, you know, nobody wants to be the guy that lets their brother down. So everyone's, you know, playing hard, not only for themselves, but, you know, for the guy next to him, which is really important. You guys got some receivers this year. I mean, you guys had Tank Dell and, and, and Christian Trahan, but now with Joseph Manjack out here catching one-handed balls, you've got Matthew Golden out here. What, what's it What's it like with this group of guys that you're tossing it to right now? It's awesome, man. Those guys, like you said, are really talented. And, um, 
especially for young guys. I mean, Man Jack and and Golden are both fairly young, and to see them go out and and play the way they did was really inspiring and um, gave me a lot of confidence in them. I already had a lot of confidence in them just because I'd practiced with them all spring and all fall camp. Um, so I knew what they were capable of doing, but just seeing them do it in a game was really cool. And, um, you know, like you said, Tank obviously is as solid as they come and Christian the same way. Um, and then we have a few other guys. We got Cody Jackson, who's going to make plays at some point this year. Sam Brown um, is going to, too. So, um, you know, those receivers make my job easy. So I love having them around and and throwing the ball to them. We talked about the end of last season, that Auburn game. Obviously, that was a big win for this program. And you guys got a very unique trophy for that one, that Vulcan trophy that, you know, Dana Holgerson took a picture of and went kind of viral. He had a lot of moments with that. Did you get any cool moments or any pictures with that thing? Yeah, I think somewhere I did. He Coach Holgerson actually had the trophy at his house for a while. It's now in our <laughs> facility um, right down the hallway, but – um, he had it at his house for a while and he had just, know, just sitting of, on his patio, just hanging yeah, out with him, hanging yeah, out, drinking yeah, buddies. Yeah. Just chilling, yeah. <laughs> so we would, you know, he had some of the guys over and we'd go hang out and, you know, hang out with the trophy and take pictures and put it on Snapchat. Ooh, like, you know, hyping it up was a lot of fun. So gotcha. Last one for you. You've been in Houston for a while. I'm a Houston native myself. Max has been several times. We love to eat here because you can eat everywhere. But what's your favorite? What's your favorite eating spot in H Town? I would say um, Damaris Barbecue because on Thursdays, so actually Damaris, the Damaris family, the brothers are um, good buddies of Coach Holgerson. So um, they hook it up every Thursday. The O line and I and um, the other quarterbacks and some of the skill position will go eat, um, and we eat as much food as I mean more than you'd want to eat. I mean it's ridiculous. So it's. Definitely a good bonding time, but the food is is really good, too. So it's a good time every Thursday. Good stuff. Clayton, well, thanks so much, man, for joining us today. Best of luck uh, this week against Texas Tech and the rest of the year, and, and appreciate you joining the pod. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, see y'all. Well, that was good. Uh, that was a lot of fun to chop it up man. with Clayton. He's uh, – you know, he's been around a while. We talk about – I know Stu did the uh, old man <laughs> team, the old geezer team, and – I know Clayton's really only a fifth-year guy, but I feel like Clayton has been around for a long, long time. He has. Man, those Manning uh, Academy stories were amazing. <laughs> I love it. I could. I was totally picturing him, Eli Manning, sitting there. Uh, maybe a little maybe a little buzz. I'm just assuming that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, asking for Clayton Toon's fork. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was fantastic. But uh, I think that's pretty sweet, too, just the way that those guys actually get to like I mean, they're not really rivals, right? Like you get to, I mean, you meet at elite 11 and some of those things, but like to actually just get to hang with those guys before the season and get to, you know, kind of uh, these quarterbacks around the country actually befriending each other. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think it certainly seems to be like a fraternity when they go out to California to work out together, they go to elite 11 or they go to Manny pass Academy. It's definitely a fraternity for sure. And so it's kind of cool. I, I think even you see it when we've covered recruiting, you see those quarterbacks, they root for each other. Uh, you know, when one guy commits, you see other quarterbacks, you know, shouting them out and things like that. So, yeah. uh, it was really cool, really cool to hear the dynamics. I've never been to Manny Pass Academy, yeah, so me it's neither. really cool to hear. I, I guess I, I probably should go. It sounds sounds like a pretty damn fun event. You know, what I mean? sounds like you get about a hundred interviews out of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but I but glad that Clayton could make some time for us, and and I'm excited for that game this weekend. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, and Max, thank you for joining me today, and. 
thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you follow the Andy Staple Show and Friends feed on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Andy and Ari Wasserman regularly do their show live from there. They'll be back on Friday with their weekly bets. Um, of course, they've got the mustard on the line with the Bijan mustard. Uh, Yo, real quick, we probably yeah. should pat ourselves on the back for run your pool. Yeah. Oh, should we? Should we do that? I know I did pretty well last week. I know uh, I did very well last week. So, so I yeah, hope our listeners are, are joining us on this. Um, pretty fun. I mean, you got to pick a lot of games. It's a lot of games to pick, but um, your boy is. Uh, I went thirty-eight and twenty in week one. Nice. I think I went thirty-four and twenty-four. I believe it was. So that's right, thirty-four, so, twenty-four. So I, I uh, good first week for me, or good week one, I should say. And uh, yeah, if you go on runyourpool.com, you can compete with Andy and Ari and Max and me and all the whole rest of the crew. Uh, in game picks I guess I need to go it's Thursday as we record this so I need to go put in my picks before tonight's games or actually yeah, as soon as I pat tonight, myself Thursday. on the back it's, it's downhill but uh, you know we'll try we'll try we'll see what happens yeah so so please do that and so I said, keep it on the Andy Stable Show and Friends feed we've got so many great uh, hosts on there like I said Andy, Ari Nicole Auerbach uh, David Oven and Brody Miller on Football and Grits on Mondays we've got so much for you appreciate y'all listening thanks and we'll talk to you again soon